Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, happy Friday. This is Friday. And if it is your Friday, the last day of the week for you, and you get the weekend, that's awesome. If it's the first day of your week, well, I'm glad you're joining me today. We are finishing up our show on generosity. And I want to remind you to always check out the website. If you want um, a speaker for any of your corporate or uh, spiritual um, events, I love to do that. I sing and I speak on all these different things, and I love to encourage. I would love to encourage a group. Also, there are books um, you can get on Amazon.com. We have the God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. We have the Gender Speaks book, Thought, Word, and Deed, and we have also a little book that's a testimony of my life called Can Fairy Tales Be Real? And obviously, that's kind of a play on words because. My life certainly was not a fairy tale, but God has turned it into an amazing life in spite of that. He is extremely generous. And so this generosity issue, this is the opposite of withholding. That's where we left off yesterday. And it is not a quality of God. It's a quality of our sin nature. And it is truly based in selfishness, fear, control, not wanting to be vulnerable, all those types of negativity things that have a tendency, if we practice those, to really drain the emotional bank account. And then we have nothing to give God's world. So the reason I do these shows is I really want people to be a change agent in their world. See, Jesus changed the world one person at a time. You change his world one person at a time. And we want our change to be positive. We want the world to experience Christians the way God really wants the world to experience Christians. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be light in a dark place. And so the light that we have is because we're reflecting the light of of God. And we don't want to diminish that because of our lack of generosity. So I like this verse in in, uh, Romans chapter 2. This is 2 through 4. And this is out of God's Word translation. It says, Do you have contempt for God, who is very kind to you, puts up with you, deals patiently with you? Don't you realize that it is God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and change the way you think and act? He's so generous with kindness. If he weren't, we'd all be dead. The New Living Translation says it this way. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? See, this is a really key aspect here. Wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient. When we do these things, when we give those to people generously, 
We help them turn from sin, and it helps us turn from sin. Chapter th- the, the, the verse, chapter, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 3 from the Romans in chapter 2. It says, when you, O man, pass judgment on others, yet you do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? And verse 4, or do you disregard the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? And verse 5 goes on to say, but because of your hard and unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of wrath when God's judgment will be revealed. See, God is saying, we're we're not saying that sin is okay and we're overlooking it. What we're saying is that we don't want to disregard the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience because that's what leads people to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. This is why he is generous with it. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is going to repent if I'm kind to them. But what I do know is that when I practice kindness, tolerance, patience towards someone, my heart softens. I don't want a hard and unrepentant heart. So it's not my responsibility that they repent. It's my responsibility as a Christian to give them the opportunity to live a repentant life so that I am not a hindrance or stumbling block in their life because I'm unrepentant or my heart is hard and I become withholding. Instead of open hands, I have closed hands. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. I I think it's amazing. That verse is amazing. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger abounding in loving kindness and truth. See, we have Jesus Christ living in our inner home, in our heart, in our minds, in our bodies, flowing through our blood. That heart is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. The more I practice that, the more I am that toward myself and to others. I get a much better version of people when I practice this. So don't minimize what you have. What you have to give. A smile, a thank you. Forgiveness. That's like, that's emotional money is what I want you to understand. Just a smile. Have you ever just been smiled at by a stranger? It's like, wow, the world's not such a bad place. These qualities that God talks about, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, truth, this is emotional currency 
And when we spend it, we get a lot of return. It's like making a deposit in a phenomenal investment account that's creating interest. So don't take these things lightly. The enemy really wants to minimize this. The enemy wants you to think you have no impact on the world. That you're not seen, you're not appreciated, that you don't matter. These are all lies straight from the pit of hell. Because the enemy knows if he can get you to believe those lies, that you don't matter, you have no impact, you're not important, you're forgotten, you don't belong, you're not beautiful, attractive, you're not rich, you don't have this charismatic personality or something. He lies to you about your worth and your value. Because your worth and your value is a commodity. And your worth and value is not because you did anything. It's because of what God placed on you. And God sees you as extremely valuable and knows that you impact the world in a way that nobody else can. Don't minimize this. Everyone everyone created is unique. So the way you impact someone is different than the way I impact them. And if you're created and you're here, then God needed you. And he made you for a reason. And it may not always feel super significant. But think about some of the the characters in the Bible. And how insignificant they felt. But what their story has done for us. Think about Mary Magdalene. How many times do we talk about this, this very abused, discarded, devalued woman? And how many times do we talk about her? Think about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that Jesus spoke to when no, no one speaks to Samaritans and especially Samaritan women. She had to come to the well in the middle of the day because she was so devalued and seen as scum. So this is don't minimize who you are and what you have. And what God wants to do through you. So who God loves, he generously gives in a way we cannot comprehend. His generosity of love and forgiveness is incomprehensible. So God gives what leaves us unwanting. So let's look at this story about the Samaritan woman at the well. This is John chapter 4. Verses 7 uh, through 15. And this is out of uh, the Message Bible. It says, To get there, we had to pass through Samaria. A Samaritan village that bordered the field of Jacob, given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus was worn out by the trip, sat down at the well, and it was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Now, remember when we talked about the show on actually helping the one you love, how despised the Samaritans were. And so this is why it's making this emphasis in verse 7 and 8. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? 
Now, his disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because remember, the Jews in those days would not be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. She's still not comprehending this, so she says, The woman says, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. How are you going to give this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and and passed it down to us? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan's spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, Give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I won't ever have to come back to this well again. This is what is inside of us. Jesus is in us. This is what we are able to give to others, living water. And it's the generosity. Jesus says, if you knew the generosity of God, this is so imperative that we really integrate this. So do you judge who, where generosity is coming from and maybe missing the blessing God has for you? Because many times generosity comes from what we may think is an ungodly, illegitimate, or unwanted source. So let's look at this next story when we think about how many times we might judge the generosity that God is giving us because we don't understand or the source seems illegitimate. So this is Mark 6. This is out of the Message Bible. And this is about Jesus the carpenter. He says he left there, returned to his own hometown. His disciples came along, and on the Sabbath, he gave a lecture in the meeting place. He made a real hit impressing everyone. They said, we had no idea he was this good. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? Get such ability. Chapter uh, Verse 3 says, but in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude, and Simon, and his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling. They never got any further. Jesus went to his hometown to give them miracles. He wanted to give it to his family his friends, his neighborhood. And they were so prideful and so arrogant, so small-minded, that all they could do was think about who they used to know he was. He's just a carpenter. He's Mary's boy. Who does he think he is? And they missed the entire gift Jesus came to give him, to give them. So this is what happens next. This is verse 4 and 6. Jesus told them, A prophet has little honor in his hometown, among his relatives, on the streets he played as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything. 
He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, but that's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. It made him so sad. He left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching. This is where we talk about that verse um, that says, do not cast pearls before swine. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. If you do, they will turn on you, trample them, and tear you to pieces. This is the verse that Jesus uttered when he left his hometown. So disappointed, so sad that they missed out on such a great gift. Now remember, when we talk about the disciples, the 12, they were considered ungodly, illegitimate, unworthy, less than, uneducated, and a very unwanted source. To be offered generosity oftentimes is intended to be humbling. This is a gift in and of itself. This is why it oftentimes comes from a source we want to resist or reject. It's the same type of process when we are willing to be generous, like our tithe. This is a really important concept as as we are ending this whole idea about generosity. Many times God is giving generosity to us from a source that we don't necessarily like. Because it's humbling. Think about this whole idea of the supper for for 5,000, right? This is verse 30 through 31. And it says, the apostles rendezvoused with Jesus, reported on all they had done and taught. And Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So here Jesus is right here. I mean, many times I read over this, and, and I missed it. He says, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break. Let's get a little rest. So they got in the boat, and they went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going, and word got around from the surrounding towns. People went out on foot, running, got ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd they were. He went right to work teaching them. Now think about this, this next part here. It says, when his disciples thought this had gone on long enough, (laughs) it was now quite late in the day they interrupted. We are a long way out in this country and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction. Send these folks off so they can go get some some supper. And Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. And they replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? Think about this. Do do you hear yourself in these disciples? I do. I hear myself in it. I get tired. I get worn out. I feel like I I, I don't have uh, enough resources. And I start making things smaller. So this is what the disciples did. They're with Jesus Christ who has performed amazing miracles in front of them. And miracles in their own lives. And yet they still are like, Are you crazy? You want us to spend a fortune on these people? Send them home. Tell them to go get their own dinner. It's amazing how generous God is with his kindness and his forbearance. 
his patience with his people. So we go on to this verse 38, it says, but he was quite serious. How many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. Didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out on a green grass. He took the five loaves, the two fish, lifted, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed it, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. And the disciples, in turn, gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. They all ate their fill. The disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at that supper. I mean, this is phenomenal. This is what Jesus can do. He multiplies whatever little we have to meet the need wherever we're at. It's a trust issue. It's a faith issue. It says, I I don't have to be the source. The source is Jesus. And he taught them. He said, how much do you have? How many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. So Jesus says to me, Cynthia, take an inventory. How much do you have? And I want to be honest with God and say, this is all I got. And it is not enough. And you want me to be generous? I don't even have enough for me. And this parable shows us what Jesus can do. He says, just tell me what you have. And they were honest with him. They said, we've got five loaves and two fish. And we have 5,000 people. And actually, they say that there was more because they usually only counted the men in those days. So there were women and children. So there might have been 8,000, 10,000. Who knows? But this is part of us understanding that Jesus can absolutely multiply anything to meet the need that is in front of us. So I want you to know, everything between you and God has been made right. You are okay. He did this so you can make things right with each other. Let Christ's redemption right your relationships. Take the newness of Jesus. Give the forgiveness, acceptance. See, God did this vertically, so take the vertical and do it horizontally. Love the people in your life as he loves you. How much you've been accepted. See, God's acceptance is directly commensurate by how accepting you might be of others. You don't want to minimize what God wants to give you because you're so unwilling to give what you have. So this is the takeaway. God's amazing display and gift of generosity, so undeserved, paid for with his blood and death and given freely, even if it's rejected, scorned, and resisted. He didn't accept us after we were acceptable. He accepted us so that we are made acceptable. Do the same for others. Thank you for joining me today. Join me next week. Hope you make it to the event tomorrow with uh, the bridge at Methodist Church with Envision Therapeutic Writing Services. Have a great day. Be generous. Be kind. And do this to, toward yourself as well. 
You will be the version God wants you to be. Be your own best version. God bless you. I'll talk to you next week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah,